This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. You're right. Coming up on today's episode, I suss out what type of guy is attracted to the UFC. The amount of retweets that that's got on various pages and stuff like that. It just goes to show, right, that every UFC fan is just a dirty, <laughs> sexed up geezer wanting a bit of Ronda. That's what it is, isn't it? Nick compares George St. Pierre to a retired Premier League footballer. And they're all a bit, they, they begrudge the fact that, yeah. you know, kids in the Premier League now, you've only got to make one game and you're a multi-millionaire or whatever it is. You know, you begrudge the next generation when there's that, that amount of money on the table. And I think there's an element of that with GSP. And Josie Aldo can throw his toys out the pram as much as he wants. In my opinion, he doesn't deserve a bigger piece of the pie. There's people out there that aren't necessarily the greatest fighters on the planet, but I pay to go and see them just because they're nutcases and just because they make me connect to them emotionally. Jose Aldo hasn't done that, so therefore his slice of the pie should be less than someone like a Conor McGregor. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Uh, welcome to episode 40 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Just in case you're a little bit confused as to why you're getting this on a Thursday, we've changed things up a little. On Wednesdays, you'll get a, a boxing episode where we review everything from the week previous. On Thursdays, which you're listening to right now, um, is all about the UFC. And then tomorrow, Friday, we will be releasing our second boxing effort of the week where we preview the fights coming up. So make sure you subscribe to us. Go to fightdisciples.com. You can sign up there. You'll be entered into competitions absolutely free of charge to win fight tickets and sign memorabilia. Uh, but you'll also be able to subscribe to our podcast uh, via iTunes or Android. Totally up to you, your consumers. But please come and join this crazy community uh, that me and Nick are a part of. Yeah. This episode, can I, can I, I've just come to me now. Episode 40, hmm. rushing back, question mark? Mm. Do you think she is? Because that's where we're going, mate. i tell you what, just before we crack on with this, right, um, for those that do follow us on social media, you'll know that I absolutely get a wet dream about uh, my Instagram. Uh, Nick just leaves me to it. He just fucking pisses himself on a day-to-day basis with how excited I get about making memes. I made one uh, last week with Ronda on. When all, the, when all this got announced, Ronda Rousey's back, Amanda Nunes, just before New Year, I picked out the dirtiest, sluttiest picture of Ronda, looking absolutely sensational. I put on the meme, Happy New Year, motherfuckers, right? <laughs> and I just blasted it around the internet. I obviously put it on our Instagram. Go and check it out. But then I just blasted it around the internet. The amount of retweets that that's got on various pages and stuff like that, it just goes to show, right, that every UFC fan is just a dirty, <laughs> sexed-up geezer Wanting a bit of Ronda. That's what it is, isn't it? That's what it is. I think the highest the highest posts with clicks, retweets, and whatever we've done on that Instagram account so far involve Ronda Rousey in, in fishnets, right? Yeah. And uh, Paige Van Zandt eating cake. That's basically <laughs> where our audience is. That's how people consume their UFC. Forget the blood. Forget yeah. the guts. Bring, the, submissions bring me the girls. That's yeah. where they're at, man. That's where they're at. Do you think she is rushing back? Because we've all been waiting for this, mate. I personally thought that it might be Cyborg, uh, and I was a bit disappointed that it's not Cyborg, but at the end of the day, she's straight back in with a title shot against Amanda Nunes, and what a way to bring in the new year. Well, you know, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I was talking about George St. Pierre. Oh, right, sorry. Right, <laughs> right. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> it works. It, let's do it, Ron. You know what? That's, it makes the title even better, because both big subjects that we're talking about on this week's show... 
it works for both of them, you see what I mean? So mm. we'll come on to GSP. Let's focus on Rhoda. Do I think she's rushing back? No, she's been out for over a year. I think she had to come back before she became completely irrelevant. I think it's a great fight for her to come back with. And I think we are going to see a brand... Well, it's not even a brand new. We're going to see old school Ronda Rousey. We ain't going to see any more boxing. She ain't going to come in boxing. Is it arm bars, arm bars are high? That's what it's going to be, isn't it? The arm bar nation, man. I've just wrote a, I wrote a column for Fighters Only uh, for the next issue, focusing on this whole thing, you know, and uh, I think we're going to see Ronda revert to type. I think we're going to see her, you know, back at her most destructive best. And, uh, you know, she had to come back now. She, she had to come back now. But it's been over a year. The sport's moved on so much. That belt... Has just become like you know a, a bad penny, hasn't it? No one's been able to hold on to it. Holly lost it straight away. Misha lost it straight away. She had to get back in the mix somehow. She had to get back in the mix now before Cyborg, basically Chris Cyborg, takes over as the new face of women's MMA because it looks like the UFC are either going to introduce a 145 pound division to. to bring they have to man, whatever, they have to. Whatever's going to happen there is going to happen soon. You know something's got to move on it, and uh, you know we're about to have. Obviously, the New York event, which she isn't on, which is going to be the biggest event at the UFC have ever staged. You know, Connor's predicting two million pay per views, and he's, mm. as we know, Mystic Mac is really wrong. So she had to come back now. She had to come back and throw a hat back in the ring and get back in the mix of things. And uh, as I say, I'm looking forward to the end of the year show. It really gives us something as as fight fans to look forward to now. And because Ronda changed the game, didn't she? She changed the game in terms of women's fights. She certainly did, yeah. You know, I've never been a, I've never been glued to women's boxing. I've got to be honest. I, I enjoy the amateur side of sport, but the pro side of sport. I kind of remember when Layla Ali was floating around, and I remember when Holly Holm was voted their uh, Ring Magazine Fight of the Year and stuff. I had a passing interest in it, but nothing like when Ronda Rousey came through in Strike Force first, and you thought, "Wow, this girl's an absolute beast." And obviously, the UFC introduced strike, introduced her to the UFC and everything else, and. You know, next thing you know, Dana White went from saying women will never fight in the octagon to within a short couple of years, Ronda Rousey's headline and pay-per-view events in the middle of Las Vegas. So she completely changed the sport. And uh, the sports the better, all the better for. Oh, without a doubt, man. Yeah, man. Just the I mean, theatre. I mean, we, in the mix. we spoke on many, many shows, right? Whether it be our boxing show or our UFC show, about the theatre of this game. This is entertainment, right? For those that don't think it's entertainment, get your head out your ass. For those purists that say, oh, you know what I mean? Uh, it's a little bit OTT, everything that we see at press conferences. We are purists when it comes to BJJ and all this type of stuff. Stop it. Fuck off. I'm not interested, yeah? Exactly. I want to be entertained. Entertain me. Yes, of course. I love the discipline of the sport. I love uh, certain transitions because I'm a bit of a geek with that shit. But at the forefront of everything that I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking entertain me. Yep. You've got to make me be arsed. You've got to make me care about you as a fighter. You've got to make me want to part with my hard-earned cash and pay that pay-per-view money, pay the ticket money at the Octagon. You've got you've got to want me to come and watch you fight. That's how you're going to make money and that's what's going to keep me entertained. At the end of the day, whether it be Ronda Rousey in the Octagon, whether she's knocking dudes out in 30, 13 seconds or whether she's uh, sticking on some serious submission in a short period of time or whether it's something that she's doing at the weigh-in at the press conference or anything like that, man, I'm in. You know exactly. what I mean? I, I deal in at that. Yeah, exactly. that's it. Show me she's the personality. Exactly, and that's what she brings to the table. And it's going to be interesting to see what she's like now because obviously 
her whole aura, her persona's changed now. She isn't indestructible. She isn't impossible to beat. She isn't, you know, a, a one-woman freight train or the, you know, the, the, the second coming of, of a Mike Tyson-type dominant figure. She's been exposed. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what she's like now around the media because the questions are going to be different now. You know, the whole narrative's changed now. It's now about can Ronda recreate what she created before and that's what makes this so fascinating. And, uh, you know, it's a lottery ticket, obviously, defence for Nunes. No, not surprisingly, Amanda Nunes... <laughs> the other week was saying, I'm not accepting any fights except Ronda Rousey. Yeah, no shit, because she's the biggest payday you're going to get by an absolute country Rightfully mile. Rightfully so, though, man. Rightfully exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. You know, at the end of the day, we spoke about it before. I spoke about it on the boxing show this week. That the time frame for these professional fighters is a short window. It's a short opportunity to make as much money as possible. Goal number one, you turn pro, you want to become a world champion. As soon as you can achieve world champion status, you money. go... Goal becomes money. Cash, 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 cash. Make as much money as possible to make your life and your family's lives as comfortable as possible. So I don't begrudge Nunes holding out for the Rousey fight, but from the sounds of things, it was it was kind of in the pipeline anyway. And, uh, you know, again, Ronda's back. Can't wait. Really looking forward to it and uh, expecting a vintage performance. Go on, you wanted to talk GSP. Get straight yeah. in there, man. That's where you wanted to go straight away, didn't you? What yeah, the fuck? What, the, what is going on with this situation? You know what I mean? Is he just being a greedy bastard? What's going on? Well, you know, we had Jose Aldo come out and said, GSP is holding out for 10 million quid. Yeah, well, uh, Bisping said that. Dollars. When we spoke to Bisping, he said that, you know what I mean? That the, 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 the fight, he wants 10 million. He, he wants the fight. Bisping wants the fight, but uh, GSP's being stupid. You know what I mean? Toronto, he wants 10 million dollars to fight him. Yeah, exactly. So... It, but now GSP's come out and said, no, I never wanted 10 million. Obviously, he's he's, the, he's denying that. But mm. what GSP's saying is that the contract, he, he's contracted to Zufa, contracted to the UFC. Yeah. You know, he can't go and fight anywhere else because he's got a contract with them. Now, that contract was signed in 2011. And obviously, the, fi- the facts and figures and all the numbers involved in that contract were appropriate as of 2011. That was five years ago. The world's a different place now. This is GSP's side. The UFC are a different place now as well. Of course, by different guys. completely different ownership. So GSP has said, well, you know, I was negotiating a new contract because obviously I'm not going to fight on a 2011 contract. It all needs to be new. So he's come out and said that it, those talks were progressing slowly, but they were with the Fatita brothers, hmm. the former owners of the UFC. They no longer own the UFC. So these new guys have come in and bought the UFC, William Morris and Devon, IMG combined. They, they they now own the UFC. And as of such, talks have collapsed. There's no new talks in place. There's no new negotiations. So GSP kind of come out this week and went, right, well, I was pushing to be on UFC Toronto, the big return to Canada. That's what he wanted to go on, UFC 206, I think it is. And he was pushing for that and pushing for it publicly. He went on you know, a couple of t- uh, MMA shows in the US and, and, and made it clear that's what it, that was the return that he wanted. But he subsequently come back and said, well, nobody picked up the phone. There was no negotiation. Nobody said, this is what's going to happen. Whether you believe that too or whether you, he was actually holding out for $10 million, it, that's part and parcel now because he was going, I've come out and gone, right, 206 is done. George St. Pierre isn't on the card at 206. Mm. Uh, it's going to be Daniel Cormier versus Rumble Johnson. This, the rematch is now the headliner. We're officially drawing the line under it. G- GSP isn't going on that card. So GSP has come out and gone, right, okay, then will my lawyer's terminating the contract. Now, obviously, I don't think it's that easy just to get your lawyer's a terminated contract like that. But he's obviously putting it out there to other organisations, i.e. Bellator, where his young protege, Rory MacDonald, you know, <laughs> up yeah, and man. went to only only earlier this year. So 
obviously GSP is kind of putting his feelers out, you know, because listen, Bellator are incredibly lucrative owners themselves. You know, they, they, they've got some serious money behind them. So that that is obviously an opportunity. Will it get to that? I don't think so. I can't see the I can't see the UFC allowing. Well, they, well, they won't allow it. It'll end up being a messy courtroom battle or whatever. But why bother? Why why drag it out that long? Why not just sit down with GSP and and make a deal? You know, at the end of the day, GSP at one point. Dana's own words was the pay-per-view star in the UFC generated more pay-per-view buys than anybody else. But he's not anymore, though. I mean, he's of a course, lot, as you just alluded to, a lot has changed since he has not been yeah. active in the in the UFC, and he's got to accept that. You know what I mean? You can't walk in at that level anymore. You've got to come in, maybe earn your dues for one fight. We're only talking one, two fights, aren't we? Before you're back in the mix, because he is such a superstar. But you can't just come in and say, right, all right, I want ten million. Nobody's getting paid ten million. Not even Connor's getting paid ten million. It doesn't happen like that, man. No, well, he's certainly not getting paid ten million in cold hard cash. Connor. Yeah, it's a fee. I think fee. he's, I think he's getting that yeah, with all pay per views and whatever else. But yeah, just, just as a flat fee, obviously he's not getting that. But GS, what GSB brings to the table, in my opinion, you know, the most successful and the the, the greatest mixed martial artist currently, you know, achievement wise that the sport's ever seen. You know, for me, I rank him above Anderson Silva. Some wow. people don't. That, that, that's their prerogative. I'm not saying he was a more skillful fighter than Anderson. I've just seen purely in achievements and what he achieved and how dominant he was. For me, GSP is the number one. Um, so for him to come back is 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 huge for the sport. And I'm surprised the UFC aren't, aren't kind of a bit more excited about it because we, we said then, you know, oh, he can't just come straight back in and, and, and demand 10 million quid. Well, if he's going to fight fucking Conor McGregor, he can. Because Conor, he's a suit, he's, regardless, GSP is still a superstar, you know. He's mm. still a huge draw in this industry. If he's going to come back and fight, say, a Matt Brown or, you know, a Kevin Gastelum or a Cowboy Cerrone or whatever, okay, well, you, you, you know, you, you're not talking about that kind of money but if he's going to fight Conor McGregor or if he's going to fight the other guy that it's the it's going back to the Mayweather Pacquiao fight that didn't happen forever but eventually it did if he comes back to fight Anderson Silva that could be a 10 million dollar fight because that's a huge huge fight for mixed martial arts Mm. that fight should have happened a long time ago anyway so they're the only fights where I see comes back and demands that kind of money and from what GSP is saying he doesn't want to come back and fight Kevin Gastelum or Matt Brown or Robbie Lawler or he wants a big one he just wants to come back for a couple of big fights and in as much again in as much money as he possibly can in doing it because there must be a little bit of GSP. It's like I dominated that octagon for, for you know best part of a decade, and yet Connor's in and much more money than I ever did. Mm-hmm. There's got to be that inside them as well. That's a bit like you know what I fucking it's like it's like X. Ex footballers, ex Premier League footballers that you speak to now, guys who are you know in the forties and the fifties who were doing radio and TV, and they're all a bit they, they begrudge the fact that yeah you know kids in the Premier League now you've only got to make one game and you're a multi millionaire or whatever it is you know you begrudge the next generation when there's that, that amount of money on the table and I think there's an element of that with GSP I think when he retired GSP was happy to retire I don't think he had any inclination of coming back but I think now he's looking at Connor and the attention Connor's getting and the fact the sport's moving forward yet again and the money's going up yet again he's thinking I want a slice of this pie before it's all gone. What do you make of the whole Jose Aldo thing? Because it's on the same lines as this, isn't it? It's all about power struggle. It's all about what yeah. you've been promised. All these types of things. For me, it just smacks of throwing your toys out the pram. At the end of the day, who is responsible for promoting Jose Aldo? Well, Jose Aldo is in my head. It's not the UFC's problem. At the end of the day, he's got to make fans want to come and watch. Uh, want to see him and yeah. at the end of the day Connor does it more than him in that particular weight division so therefore 
it's a business. They've got to dance a little bit to Connor's tune. Of course, exactly. At the end of the day, it's a, it's an entertainment business as well, and you know you go where the money is, and the money is with Conor McGregor categorically. I would argue the money is also with George Saint Pierre because George Saint Pierre, at, at his time, he was the biggest pay per view star in the sport. Jose Aldo's never been a big seller. He's never ever sold big. He's never been a a massive fan favorite. He's been incredibly destructive. He was ten years undefeated, and in one year he was he was voted the uh, Fighters Only World MMA Awards Fighter of the Year. He was the best fighter on the planet mm. just just a couple of years ago. But he's never been a needle turner in terms of pay per view buys. He's never captured the attention of let's face it, the key North American audience where that pay per view dollars are, where all that money is. And that's the key. He's isn't never it? unlocked that. That's the key. That's the key. Everything that we spoke about on all our podcasts this week, especially off the back of what happened with Tony Bellew in our boxing podcast on uh, yesterday's show on Wednesday, go and download it if you've not heard it yet. Go and have a listen to it because we have a bit of a rant about calling people out and making yourself box office, make yourself pay-per-view. Jose Aldo, as you just said there, right, in your magazine, Fighters Only magazine, was the best fighter on the planet. His talent was outstanding. Still is. He's still an unbelievable fighter. But people didn't want to see it. People aren't asked. You know what I mean? There's people out there that aren't necessarily the greatest fighters on the planet, but I pay to go and see them just because they're nutcases and just because they make me connect to them emotionally. Jose Aldo hasn't done that, so therefore his slice of the pie should be less than someone like a Conor McGregor. Of course, uh, you know that's at the end of the day you, you, you're worth what you're worth. You know you can be the greatest fighter in the world, but at the end of the day, if no one's tuning into what, well, <laughs> we've just we, we've stumbled straight into it. You know. The greatest fighter, or the the pound for pound best fighter in mixed mixed martial arts right now, is Demetrius Johnson, oh, the flyweight champion. There you go. Look, He's look the number him, yeah. one best pound for pound fighter, active fighter right now in mixed martial arts. Yet the guy can't make a dime, and the reason he can't make a dime is because. The general public, the general consensus, hardcore fans, they know. Ask any fighter. We do it all the time for the magazine. Yeah. Ask any fighter who the best technical fighter is in the UFC or in MMA in general. They all say Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson. I love watching his fights. Oh, my. He's incredible. He's this. He's that. Great. Then go and ask mainstream fight fans, people who will buy infrequently buy pay-per-views or tune into UFC events. Most of them don't even know who Demetrius Johnson is. Mm. It's it's incredible, but he's a he's he's the flyweight. There's, as we know, the smaller you get, the less money that's involved, the less glamour that's involved. Everybody likes a knockout. There's not a lot of knockouts in that weight division, even though he's incredibly destructive. So, Jose Aldo, you've you know the the smaller you get, it's like the the, the smaller you get, the more dynamic you've got to be, the more outspoken you've got to be, yeah. the more you've got to push yourself to to drive that kind of interest, and that's what Jose Aldo suffered from. Dovetailed on that, of course, is the fact that. The guy is uh, is Brazilian, so it's it is English is language not his barrier. first language. Yeah. So there's always going to be that issue. Uh, we did a big interview recently with him. I had to go through an interpreter to do the interview and everything else. It's tough that, to connect. It doesn't it, help. Yeah, you can't. It connect. doesn't help because you can't connect because the the interpreter may not be interpreting exactly the emotion that's involved. Yeah, through no fault of his own, but you you, you fail to connect. You know, but the thing is, he's not even like a. He's not like on the same level as Anderson Silva or Vita Belfort or the Nogueira brothers in Brazil. Mm. Even the Brazilians don't kind of buy into him. He's not a superstar in Brazil. He's a star. They love him. They know he is. They know he's the former UFC champ, the current interim champ. But even in Brazil, it's not like he's selling out arenas everywhere. And that's what Jose Aldo is struggling to understand. But then that's just his personality, you know. Maybe that's just the way it is. But you've... 
at the end of the day, it's entertainment. People want to be entertained, mm. and people want to. Sh- people are going to shit. You know, give up their hard-earned cash. They want a little bit more than someone that's just a great fighter, unfortunately. And Jose Aldo is suffering from that now. You know, as he played his card too soon, you're damn right he has. He ain't George St. Pierre who can go, all right, well, I'll cancel my contract then because offers are left, right and centre. Yeah. Jose Aldo doesn't really have that kind of appeal. It's not like the USA going to go, oh, fuck, we've missed, we've lost millions and millions of dollars because Jose Aldo's leaving. It's a completely different situation than George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre, that will get resolved. I'm confident it will. Whether we'll ever see him fight again, I'm kind of still not sure. I don't even know whether he's really that into it, you know, whether he's just trying to test the defences or he's just trying to get as much money as possible for a one fight and you're done kind of scenario. But Jose Aldo's gambling with his entire career because I tell you now, the UFC won't release him, so... Mm. You mentioned Vito's name there, by the way, and his name's been floating around social media that he's retired. He hasn't. No. But he's just had one of those epiphanies where he sat down and had a little bit of a a zen moment because we know he's quite a spiritual dude. I mean, I interviewed him when he was here for uh, UFC 204 and he's he's deep, man. He gets deep. I mean, I asked him about Halloween and he started talking to me about his love for his family. I'm thinking, all right, bro, chill, man. I just want to talk to you about dressing up, you know, and carving out a pumpkin. That's all all I want to talk to you about. However... He hasn't retired. He's still in there, which surprises me. I'm going to be honest with you, Nick. I mean, ever since all this TRT stuff, he looks like he's drained at that weight. He looks like he's struggling. Um, and therefore... He looks I'm, different, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. His body so, shape's totally very different. different. And obviously yeah. with the defeat that we saw, I mean, Gegard took him out, man. He took him out big time. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, what's the point? Why, why are you carrying on? Because it's going to be a long way back. There's other guys in that weight division now that are on the way up, i.e. Gegard Musasi. Yeah, it is, yeah. And it's... It, it's horrible to see Vitor in that place, but unfortunately, Vitor also fits in the bracket of you know last generation, you know the, the guys that weren't necessarily being dictated to by the USAR testing. You know we know who these guys are Chael Son and Vanderlei Silva, Chuck Liddell's. You know it was a different world then. The sport was different then. Mm. You know the whole the whole. Everything about the sport was different. There was certain elements that did go on that protected the fighter and it helped them fight more and train more and train harder. But, you know, the sport evolved. It's moved forward from that. You know, we're, we're a next generation now and I feel like these guys, Lyota, Machida, a lot of these guys now, are, they're from the last generation and they're kind of, you know, they're not growing old gracefully, are they? Let's be honest no. with you. And, uh, you know, I fell for Vitor the other night because he, he, he was a great champion and... You know, in his heart of heart, he's a great guy, Vitor, as well. He's a very religious yeah, he's lovely, man, he's lovely very guy. spiritual. Lovely. He is, he's a nice guy. He truly is, but, you know, was that... Take nothing away, I thought that was Gegard Musasi's best performance inside the UFC, inside the Octagon. Definitely best performance in the UFC. And you'd argue there's no hotter middleweight right now than Gegard Musasi. Obviously, Bisping's had an incredible year, but he's had some absolute wars, whereas Musasi's just on a... A real hot streak right now. You know, you'd fancy Musasi. What I'm trying to say is against any middleweight in the world right now. Mm. After that kind of performance against Vitor, but was Vitor? Is Vitor shot? You know, is Vitor? I think he is. Now? I you think know, he is, man. I think, he, I think all this TRT kind of stuff. To Musasi yeah. at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I think he is. I, I'm I, I'm happy that he was because I kind of like the fact that Musasi. I mean, we've seen this week with the uh, UFC official rankings in middleweight. He was nine. He's now at five. And you think to yourself, he's only one fight away from having a sniff, isn't it? He's yeah, all, yeah. one great performance against one of those top five boys. He's in on Bisping or he's in on whoever the champion is going to be when that time comes around. Yeah. And I think he totally deserves it because, like you say, he is hot. And speaking of going up rankings, Jimmy Manua, who we uh, called out last week for not calling out, basically, 
Yeah. He's in the top five now at the light heavyweight, so he's probably only one away from getting himself a, a world title shot. But, Jimmy, listen, if you're listening to the shot, man, if you're listening to this show, call somebody out. Just shout somebody's name out, yeah? Do yourself a favour and cash in that check, bro. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, I mean, listen, ever since that win, Musassi, have you, have you noticed Musassi's kind of everywhere now Absolutely, as well? man. A He's lot getting more it. vocal. Yeah. He was having a pop of Conor McGregor yeah. this week, having it, you know, saying Conor messaged them privately and was... Threatening, know, threatening him or something. Threatening him yeah. and stuff, and Musassi was basically like, you know, fucking, let's see if he says it to me face. And, you know, that's all part of it. Musassi's kind of buying into it now as well. He, I like this side of Gegard Musassi. He was always very... Very Dutch, very respectful, very you know. And now he's kind of gone. You know what? Fuck this. Like, you can't wait at the back of the line. You Good can't lad. wait yeah. for it to come and be landed on a plate for you. You've got to go out and get it. Be outspoken. He's actually quite funny, Gegard Masasi. Some of yeah, the things he is, that he yeah, does yeah. say, he's actually quite amusing. Like in the press conference at UFC 204, when he was talking about, oh, maybe I should chuck bottles and all this type of stuff, and I'll get noticed and all this type of stuff. The way that he was saying it, the way that he was delivering it, there's an art to that, and he's got it. So use yes. it, man. Get out there and use that personality. Get yourself the fights that you want. Exactly, and you know that middleweight division right now. That the you know you, you say he's moved up to fifth, but the four guys above him are all fighting each other. Yeah, we've got this middle middleweight tournament bracket basically going on in the last couple of months of the year. So whatever happens between Chris Weidman and Yoel Romero yeah. and Jacare and, and Luke Rockhold, you don't know what's going. They they the four of them might just beat well and truly beat the crap out of one, one another. And, and find themselves find themselves medically suspended for six months. And in Bisping. which case, who does Bisping fight next? You, know, it. It, it, you never know what what could happen. Bisping's already told those four to jog on at the end of his fight. You know what I mean? He gave us all good reasons as to why those don't deserve the world title shot. So the next one down is Gegard Mousasi, who he was supposed to fight in London before it all got flipped on its head, and we took on Anderson Silva. Exactly, and you know Musasi's on a three, as I say, he's on a three-fight win streak as well. Uh, you know, take away that loss to Uriah Hall, where you know he got caught with that weird flying knee and stuff, which could have looked like it was a bit of a flash knockdown, but a good finish. He's obviously got the win over Dan Henderson as well recently, so he, Musasi deserves it. Yes, he, he he's probably it's right that he's ranked fifth because those four guys are a jostling position above, but not one of those four guys above him. Either, I've either obviously there was a testing issue with Romero, but the other guys have all had losses. You know, the other not, the yeah. other guys aren't stringing wins together and deserving of a title shot. This this they're struggling to you know they're they're rebuilding if you like towards a title shot. So Musasi is one hundred percent sellable. Do I think he'll get it next? No, I don't. But then you know again anything can happen inside the octagon and opportunity knocks. And I don't think Musasi would have any issues going to Manchester at 5 o'clock in the morning to fight Mike Bisping because he looked like he produced the performance of his career last time anyway. Mm. Just um, to finish off this week's UFC chat, I just want to um, reiterate something that we've been speaking about for a long period of time. We spoke about it all this week. It is about running your mouth. If you follow us, go to our website, uh, fightdisciples.com. There's an article on there about any advice for young fighters. If you're going to get yourself into a situation where you've got bags of talent, your talent alone will not earn you a boatload of cash. You've got to run your mouth a little bit. You've got to call people out. It's one of mine and Nick's bugbears. Create the theatre, all right? Yep. And now I just want to reiterate what that means for you. If you want to become financially uh, successful in the fight game, especially in the world of UFC, because we know that there are um, there's quite a, a rigid pay structure when it comes to the UFC, then let's follow the lead of Conor McGregor. Now, that sound, sounds obvious, yeah? Of course it sounds obvious, because we all know that he's getting weighed in. He's getting weighed in so much that the Forbes Rich list has just come out, and I'm having a look down it, and who sat there at number 85 on the uh, most paid athletes in the entire world? You guessed it, it's the little lad from Crumlin near Dublin. That's right. right. 
Conor McGregor, $22 million that he earned last year. And I know that he didn't get that from fighting. There's endorsements. There's all different types of stuff. And his pay-per-view, people wanting to pay to see this guy make money. And it's only going to get more because UFC 205 is going to come your way very, very shortly. And who's going to be at the top? Creaming off the cream? That's right. Mr. McGregor. Start getting mouthy. If that if that doesn't scream at you, start getting mouthy, what else will? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you don't have to be Connor. You don't have to kind of be obnoxious about no. it or super cocky about it. You've just got to be vocal. Let you out. Let your personality out. And if, and if your personality is a shy one, then you've got to try and become an actor. Put on a little bit of a show. You know, my wife tells me, tells me this, told me this about uh, Beyonce. Apparently, Beyonce gets shy. When she, before she goes on stage, believe it or not, Beyonce <laughs> Have you gets brought, shy. You've brought Beyonce to the UFC podcast. Yeah, well, let's, let me get to the point. <laughs> J- Jane was telling me about this, yeah. When Beyonce goes on stage, she's not Beyonce. Do you know this? Yeah, she's created a character. Is it, is it, is it, Sasha Fierce. That's it, yeah. She's yeah, well, Jane was telling me about this. So she said that apparently Beyonce looks at herself in the mirror and, you know, I am Sasha Fierce. And when she goes out there, she's Sasha Fierce. She's not Beyonce. She she plays the part of somebody else. <laughs> That's it, man. Maybe so, UFC is, fighters should exactly. dress up as superheroes yeah. and come out in some different gear. <laughs> but listen, if it's not your personality, make one up. You can be anything you want to be. This is the whole thing. You've got the limelight. Make the most of the opportunity. And okay, some people might go, oh, what a dick. Bisping says it all the time. I know, I know I'm a dick. I know I've said some stupid things. But tell you what, the guy's had more wins in the octagon than anybody else. He's yeah. made a boatload more of money than a lot of guys who've been in the UFC who are a lot more talented than Bisping. Bisping has made tons more money than them because he's quite happy to be a dick and to say things controversial because he knows when he goes home to his wife and his kids and his family and his friends, they know that's not him. They know he's not a dick. They know he's a nice guy. Mm. They know it's an act for the cameras. They know it's an act to sell fights, to get big fights, to make more money. That's what the sport's all about. That's what fight sports are all about. You've got to sell yourself. You've got to sell yourself. And if you can't do it with, through, with your own character, fucking make one up. Make one up. Be a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Make sure you never miss out on any of our exclusive content. We're available on all social medias, at Fight Disciples, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. There's stuff up there for you every single day. Come and join the conversation. Make sure you never miss out on any of our podcasts by subscribing through our website, fightdisciples.com. If you've already done it, thank you very much. And we look forward to hearing from you again as the conversation continues. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.